The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Well, let's get into the message today. We're in the week two of what has quickly become one of my favorite series that we've done here. It's called Nine Words. And you may ask, we're only in week two. How is it one of your favorite series? Well, when you go through and you study the dying words of Jesus, there's so much that you can pull from it. And it's such an incredible series that we're in. And what we're doing is we're looking at the dying words, the seven statements that Jesus made on the cross. And we're, we're having this series take us up to Easter. But I love what Pastor Sarah said last week. She said, these aren't the last words or the final words of Jesus, because how many of you guys know God still speaks today, right? And so these were his dying words. Not only did Jesus live a life that were to model, we look at the dying words that Jesus said on the cross and we're able to pull biblical truth and principle for how we're to interact and how we're to approach things that we encounter on a day-to-day basis. I love what Pastor Sarah said last week. She said that the dying words of Jesus were the most resonating, inspiring, and God-glorifying words that have ever been spoken by any woman or man. Isn't that true? that the words that Jesus spoke on the cross in these moments, that they're the most inspiring, God-glorifying words that were ever spoken. And so what we're doing is we're examining those words and I wanna remind you what Jesus was going through in this moment. In this moment where Jesus is making these statements, he's had his beard ripped out, he's been punched in the face, like the flesh has been ripped off his back, nerve endings exposed crown of thorns pressed on his head. They're yelling at him, they're mocking him. And with all that going on, he's hanging on a cross completely naked in front of everybody. And Jesus, still in the midst of all that, chooses to make these seven statements. And I wanna go over the one that we're gonna take today, but before I do that, I wanna back up just a little bit. If you weren't here last week, Pastor Sarah gave a message on forgiveness that was an unbelievable message on forgiveness. And if you didn't hear it, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. If you did listen to it, that's one to go earmark, okay? Because there's going to be moments this year that you need to offer forgiveness or you need to be reminded of that message. And it's a great one to go back and listen. But the reason why I want to bring that up is because what's unique about the seven statements that Jesus made on the cross, you can't find all seven of them in any one gospel, You have to go through and you have to read through the gospels. And we've read through a lot of them in our Being Transformed journal so far this year. And if you've got your Being Transformed journals, make sure that you open those up and and take notes with us this morning in that. But I would encourage you this week to go through and just type in. You can do a Google search and just say, um, the gospels in chronological order. And when you pull up the crucifixion, it begins to detail what took place. And the reason why I wanna go back is because the statement that we're gonna look at today is the statement where Jesus says, assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now this is a statement that Jesus makes in response to one of the criminals that he was on the cross next to. You guys know the the Easter picture, the picture of the cross that we see, it's not just a single cross, there's three crosses. Two other thieves died with Jesus that day at Calvary. But what's unique about it is when you go through and you read through the gospels of Jesus, or when you read through the gospels leading up to the, the Jesus being crucified, What we see is these criminals were with Jesus throughout the entire day that this process is taking place. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 23, verse 32, it says there were also two others, criminals, 
led with him to be put to death. So they're in proximity. They, they hear what's taking place. They see what, what they're saying to Jesus. They see what they're accusing Jesus of. And they hear all this stuff that's being said. And in Matthew and in Mark, we see that it says at one point, both criminals reviled Jesus. So it says both of them reviled Jesus. Now we're gonna come back to this a little bit later, but I think it's an important starting point for us to look at. You say, well, what's reviled mean? Well, reviled means that both criminals criticized in an abusive and angrily insulting manner to Jesus. So these guys are going to die for crimes they've committed. And in the midst of that happening, they're looking to Jesus who is going to the cross as well. And they're, they're joining in with everybody else who's yelling at Jesus, which is just such a unique thought to me. But we're gonna to get to a point where one criminal looks to Jesus and Jesus says this answer, assuredly I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. I had this thought, how did we get from reviling Jesus to Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom? And you know what it is? Pastor Sarah said something last week that was so impactful in the message. She said that when Jesus was making the statement, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, the tense in which that was written was a continual tense, which means Jesus didn't just say it one time. It means that as he was getting punched, Father, forgive him. As they were pressing the crown of thorns on his head, Dad, forgive him. They don't know what they do. And most commentators believe that it's in that moment that as Jesus is offering forgiveness, that only he could offer that only the, the forgiveness that Jesus talked about as far as radical enemy forgiveness that the criminal hanging on the side of Jesus realized this is the Messiah. This is, this is Jesus. And that's what leads us to this point. Jesus has offered that forgiveness. But I'll say this, a little nugget from last week. Hey, it's our forgiveness of others that really allows people to see Jesus through us. So important for us to remember that. But as we look at the story, we're gonna pick up, if you've got your Bibles, you can open up in Luke chapter 23. We're gonna start here at verse 35. And it says this, and the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered saying, he saved others, let him save himself if he is Christ, the chosen of God. You can hear the mockery in the tone, right? The soldiers, it says they also mocked him offering sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was also written over him in letters in Greek, Latin, and Hebrew that said, this is the king of the Jews. And then verse 39 is where we pick up the dialogue between these two criminals and Jesus. Verse 39, one of the criminals, it says, then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. What he's saying in this moment is, if you really are who you say you are, if you really have the power and the ability to get yourself off the cross, get yourself off the cross, get me off the cross, and let me be on my way. That's the attitude that we see from this one criminal, which is really unique, because I think when we look at the two criminals, you can see the attitude of the world that we live in today, right? Like just, if this is who you say you are, fix what's going on so that I can be on my way. That's what the, the criminal's saying here. And what we notice is Jesus doesn't even address him. At no point recorded in scripture does Jesus look to this criminal and say anything. Doesn't even give him, doesn't even give him a word. But I love verse 40. These are the dying words. These are the final words of the criminal that's hanging next to Jesus. It says, but the other answering rebuked him. So he's rebuking the other criminal and he's saying, do you not even fear God? 
Do you not even recognize who it is that you're talking to? Seeing that we are under the same condemnation, seeing that we are under the same conviction, you're about to die. Like, do you not understand what you're saying? Verse 41, it says, we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. What's unique about this is in this moment, this guy recognizes I've done wrong. He recognizes his own sin and he recognizes that Jesus is perfect and sinless. He says, this man has done nothing wrong. And I love verse 42. Verse 42 is one of those verses that you should highlight in your Bible. You should underline. You see that he says to Jesus, he didn't cry out and say, Jesus or Messiah or son of God. You know what he says? He says, Lord, Lord, recognizing who he was. See, a conversion has taken place at this point. And he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. God, we're so grateful for your word, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that this morning as we position ourselves to hear what it is that you would have us hear, Lord, I pray that you would open up our ears to hear, Lord, that you would open up our eyes to see, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts to receive what it is that you have for us this morning. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So there's a lot to unpack here, and as I was beginning to study this out and you look at the statement that Jesus makes, again, we have to realize Jesus is in pain. Jesus, fully God, fully man in this moment is experiencing more pain than any human has ever experienced. And we've got this guy who's on the cross next to him who's currently going through similar pain in a similar circumstance. And I believe the lesson that we're to be taught out of this statement that Jesus makes on the cross is this, and I want you to write this down that God wants us to help others who are experiencing the same pain that we're in. God wants us to help others who are experiencing the same pain that we're in. You know, I think a lot of times for us, and listen, I've been in the same boat, that we're experiencing stuff or we're going through things and we have this thought process that's like, you know, when I get on the other side of this circumstance, when I get through this battle, when, when the story is written the way that it needs to be written, I'll, really, I'll have a great testimony and I'll be able to share it with somebody. And listen, that's true. And if God's shown up in your life and brought you out of something, that's a story that you need to tell. But I want you to hear this this morning. You don't have to wait to that point to be able to help others. Matter of fact, God wants to use your pain to help others who are experiencing the same pain. And truthfully, I don't think we want people who've got it all together all the time being the ones that are telling us, hey, this is how you get through it, right? Matter of fact, when that happens, you kind of want to punch that guy in the face. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. I'll just say that. Like, you can, if you feel that way, don't do that. That's, I want to caution you against that. But God wants to use our pain. And he wants to use our pain to help others who are experiencing the same thing. It's what we see Jesus do on the cross here. You, you know, Jesus is not having a conversation with the thief on the cross seven days after the resurrection. He's not standing there going, hey, bud, I was here a week ago. You can get through it. Yeah. No, he's hanging there next to him. Matter of fact, he's experiencing pain so much greater than what this guy's going through because the beating that was placed on him was far greater than that. But not only that, he's got the sin of the world, the sickness of the world, and the wrath of God poured out over him when he's doing this. Yeah. Immense pain. 
that Jesus is experiencing and he's going through it. But here's the good news for us, okay? This is good news. Because of the cross, we don't have to go at helping people through their pain alone. <laughs> we don't have to go at helping ourselves through our own pain alone. I love what it says in Hebrews verse 2, 17 through 18. This is what I would consider a verse to keep with you. Like, write this down, memorize this verse, because this is one of those verses that in the midst of everything we face in our life, this is such a good verse to stand on. I've got it in the message translation because I love the way that it says it. It says, that's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. This is talking about Jesus. Every detail of human life he had to enter into. Even being born a baby, going through puberty as a child, like every detail of life that we've ever experienced or will experience, it says here that Jesus entered into it. It says then when he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. Understand this, Jesus currently today, he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. That's where he's placed. That's, that is what he's doing currently right now. And what this is saying is that when we go through stuff, he is sitting there as our high priest interceding on our behalf. Why? So that uh, he would be able to help where help was needed. Isn't that good? That means whatever we've experienced, whatever you're going through, listen, Jesus has been there, done that, and is interceding on your behalf so that you can get through it and help others get through it. Such a good verse, such a good truth of what the cross, one of the benefits that we have from the cross. And I was listening to a message um, that, had to, that was related to this statement, and the pastor said that when we help others, it does three things for us. And I'm, I'm going to rip it from his message because it was so good. So I want you guys to, to write these down if you're taking notes. Is when we help others who are experiencing the same pain we are, the first thing it does is it distracts us from our own needs. It distracts us from our own needs. How many of you in here have needs? Right? Like 20% of you guys have needs. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, there we go. More hands. We all have our own needs. Matter of fact, when I was putting this together, some stuff came up this week in our family. Like we all got stuff that we're going through, right? Every single one of us has stuff that we're dealing with. And I think if we're not careful and we just continue to focus on the needs that we're focused on, you know, this is something I was thinking about this morning. When we become so selfish and think about only our needs, do you know what it does? It begins to isolate us. We begin to isolate, we begin to pull away, we begin to remove ourselves from community and we become incredibly selfish based on what our own needs are. And beyond that, when we focus so much on what our needs are and that becomes the frame of reference of what we're thinking about, we actually end up oftentimes elevating the need, the circumstance or the issue above the God that can take care of it. And I think a lot of times the enemy just sits there and he goes, hey, we're gonna, I'm going to make you think about how bad you got it. Focus on yourself. Focus on your needs. And then he's got you. That's all you're focused on. And you forget about the God that you serve. You forget about how big God is. You forget that nothing is big or nothing is too small for God. So it's a really dangerous place that sometimes we can find ourselves in when we just simply focus on ourselves and our needs. So that's one of the number one things that it does is it distracts us from our needs. Number two is this, if you're taking notes, it helps us to see the solution. It helps us to see the solution. How many times have you been in a circumstance or a situation and you start talking to somebody about it and for, it's just miraculous. They, they're, they like know everything on how to get you through it, right? Like they, they're the expert. 
How many times maybe has that happened to you where someone brings something to you and you're like, hey, I've, I know exactly what you need to do to get through this. Well, the truth is, is that a lot of times our pain can blind us. The pain that we go through can blind us and we, we have a hard time seeing the direction we need to go. And when we remove ourselves from our pain and begin to help others who are going through pain, and then we're able to sit there and help them see the solution because we have clarity. We're no longer blinded by the fact that we're dealing this through this through our hurt lens or, or through the eyes of, of our pain. And I'll say this, 99.9% .9 of the time, the solution to help them get through it is the same solution that you'll need to get through your pain. And you sit here and you say, hey, where'd you come up with the, where'd you get those numbers? I'm gonna take a page out of Pastor Ken's book. I just made it up. I don't know that it's 99.9%, but I think it's probably pretty close, right? It's close. it's close. You know why I think I can say that with, with the confidence that I have? It's because we're not all that different. We're all made in the image of God, all right? And so the circumstance, the situation can be different, but guess what? Oftentimes the solution is the same. The solution is the same. Number three, if you're taking notes, is when we help others through their, or through our pain, uh, to help them through their pain, it keeps things in perspective. Man, perspective is important, isn't it? Perspective is so important. I think about uh, the team that we have right now in New Orleans. Man, I could, I could tell you this, some of those people that are in New Orleans right now, they've got some stuff they're dealing with, but they've decided to step out and go serve others. They're gonna come back with a great perspective. Those of you that are gonna be going to Mexico to serve in Mexico this summer, you're gonna come back with a different perspective. You know, I was thinking about um, when I was, uh, I was in the military and we got deployed to Iraq in 2009. And when I went over to Iraq, um, I, was, uh, I had a pretty specific thought process or idea of the people that lived in Iraq. You could probably think about what that, what that is. It was shaped from the military. It was shaped from, from some of the news. And I had this thought process going into it. But one of the greatest things that I pulled away from that deployment was I actually, I was in a place where I got to have conversation with some of the locals and the people that were there that unfortunately were just casualties of what was taking place. Listen, there's evil that exists in all the world, not just that one area, okay? And what was unique about it is I realized we're not a lot different. And the perspective that I got was, man, thank God I live in the country I live in and have access to what I have access to because, man, it was a different story over there. I think about what's going on right now in Ukraine. I talked to a guy uh, last week actually here who, uh, he asked me to pray for him because he was going to Poland and he's in Poland right now. I was actually texting with him this morning. And he's got fr good friends that live in Ukraine and uh, he said, we're going to Poland uh, we're going to drive to the border of Ukraine and we're going to try to pull them over so that they can get refugee status. Like, can I offer you some perspective this morning? Okay. We live in a nation that does not have neighboring nations that hate us with the military power to come in and overthrow us. Okay. But you know what perspective does? Perspective helps us realize, you know, I don't really have it all that bad. And also, it, the great thing about that is, is when you think about it, you can, instead of seeing the circumstances or the issues, perspective allows us to see the blessing of God on our life. It allows us to see the goodness of God on our life. So perspective is so important. And it's not that, just that Jesus is asking us to do these three things and says, hey, go at it alone, you'll be good to go, right? We talked about how in Hebrews that he's gone before us, but I love this verse in Isaiah 58, 
10 through 11. Verse 10 says this, it says, feed the hungry. How many of you guys know when you're hungry, you can be in pain, right? It says, feed the hungry, help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness. Your light, the, the light of Jesus Christ, when we do this, will begin to shine out into a dark place. But I love what it goes on to say. It doesn't stop there. It says, then the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. There's one translation that says, the darkness around you will light up like the noonday sun. Do you know what that means? That means in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of what you're experiencing, you can help others who are in trouble. And the promise here is, I will light up the darkness that's around you. That's the promise of God. And then verse 11 says this, it says, the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. He's not gonna let you be malnourished while you're going through it. It says you will be a well-watered garden like an ever-flowing spring. What that means is it's not just for you. I'm gonna give you this nourishment. I'm gonna take care of you so that you can be like an ever-flowing spring to be able to reach out and continue to help others. Second Corinthians 1, three through four says this, now, this is Paul writing, and at the time where Paul's writing this, listen, Paul's been through some stuff, okay? And here's what Paul's writing to the, the Corinthians. He's saying, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and source of all what? Source of all comfort. Source of all comfort. He goes on to say in verse 4, he comforts us in our troubles so that what? So that we can be happy and lay down and chill no, what's Paul say here? He says he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. So that we can comfort others. And then it says this, that when they're troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. The word in there is comfort. The same comfort that God gives us, we can offer others through the same trial that we're going through. You've heard it said this, like don't get caught in this cycle or this whatever. Let me tell you, this is a cycle you need to get caught in. <laughs> this is something that you need to get caught in because it creates a chain reaction of you experience the comfort and the mercy of God over your life. You can help somebody get through that. Then they begin to experience that comfort. And guess what? They can go out and offer somebody else the same thing. That's a good domino effect that we need to be striving for. I love what one commentator said. He said, even spiritual comforts are not given for us to use alone. They, like all other gifts of God, are given so that they may be distributed or become instruments to help others. Man, the message here is we're to help others who are experiencing the same pain that we are. And I wanna go back to the statement that Jesus made. Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Because what we see is we see Jesus offer the statement to this criminal. But as I was thinking about it, you know, I think the criminal asks Jesus the question. And I believe this. I believe that Jesus answered the second criminal far beyond his expectation with that answer. Far beyond. And so what I want to do is I want to take the next few moments and I just want to break down Jesus' answer. Because here's the truth. The same answer that Jesus offered this criminal is the same answer that Jesus gives us, and it's the same answer that we can offer those who are hurting as well, okay? So look at this first thing. Uh, the first thing is this. The criminal looked for help, but Jesus gave him assurance. The criminal made the statement, Jesus, remember me. We're gonna look at this statement in two different contexts. I believe the first context is the criminal is just crying out, Jesus, remember me, Lord, remember me, I need help. And Jesus gives him assurance. He says, assuredly, I say to you. You know, it's so important that we're able to give people the assurance of Jesus Christ. 
You know, the thing about the world that we live in is the world can be pretty shifty, right? Now, you got to be careful when you say that word, okay? <laughs> Last night, I had my notes out, and they were in these plastic things, and I had some glare, and I saw that word, and I was like, what did I put down? <laughs> like, that's how he was playing a trick on me. <laughs> but the world can shift, okay? Like, if there's anything the last two years has taught us, all right? COVID, racism, um, all the stuff we're dealing with with supply chains, war, gas prices, like people losing their jobs. Like you just, there's no assurance. There's no faith that we can put in any government, any system. There's nothing on this world that offers us assurance. The only assurance that we can offer is through the hope of Jesus Christ and his word. That's it. Psalms 40 verse two says this, that he also brought me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and he established my steps. Listen, folks, God's not changing. God is not changing. The same God, that's why I love that song we sing, the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the same God who brought the Israelites out, the same God who went to the cross. Understand this, that is who he is and that's the assurance that we have and that's the assurance that God wants us to offer others when they're going through stuff. It's like that old hymn, I'm not going to sing it. Judy wanted me to sing it, but I'm not going to. But on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Listen, Jesus Christ, the word of God, that's the assurance that we have. And that's the assurance that we need to offer those who are going through the same thing. It's the same assurance that Jesus offered this criminal. Number two is this. I believe that the criminal had a distant time in mind. And Jesus gave today. You know, I thought about this, that you, you see the criminal just say, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And as I was reading that, I just felt like in my spirit that the Lord was showing me that there was this distant time that the criminal had in mind. And what Jesus offers us, he offers us today. It's not some distant time. Like what Jesus offers us, he gives us today. Now, what I'm not saying is, when we walk through pain or we have a circumstance that Jesus is gonna take care of it and fix it just the way we want it to in that moment when we approach him. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying, the Bible says this, that we can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Like that when we call on the presence of God, that we can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what I believe this criminal got that day. When Jesus gave him the assurance and he says today, in that moment, the criminal's pain was not taken away. In that moment, he was still experiencing what he was going through. But I, leave, I believe in that moment, he had this overwhelming sense of the peace of God going, oh my goodness, what he offers, I now have. And that's what we can offer. Listen, if you're going through something today, let me tell you, the peace of God, like it can, it can transcend everything. Regardless, like you can be going through hell on earth. And listen, the peace of God can come in and flood into the situation. And your circumstance may not change, but what changes is your perspective of who God is and understanding, man, God's gonna, God's gonna walk me through this. That's what Jesus offers us today. Number three, if you're taking notes, is the thief just wanted to be remembered, but Jesus gave him community. We're gonna go back to that remember me statement. And I believe that when he said, Jesus or Lord, remember me, that he's crying out, man, I'm all alone. 
You know, I would probably venture to think that he probably doesn't have a whole lot of family that's there the day he's getting crucified or the day that he's going to the cross. He's probably alone and he's crying out for help. And listen, those that are crying out for help, you know what they're crying out for? Is they're crying out for someone to just sit there and say, hey, I'm gonna walk through this with you. You know what Jesus' response was? Jesus' response to the criminal was, today you will be with me. It wasn't just today you're going to come into paradise. Today you're going to come into my kingdom. No, Jesus offered him community. He said, today you'll be with me. Man, if you didn't listen to Pastor Josh's message a couple weeks ago on community, I really want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. One of the best messages on community. And if I could tell you anything today, one of the most important things that I could tell you is community is so vitally important. So vitally important to our walk in faith. Because we're going to go through stuff. And we need people in our life. Look at what it says in Ecclesiastes. This is Ecclesiastes 4.12. It says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Then it goes on to say three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You know what it says there? One can be attacked. Two can also be attacked. But it says one can be attacked and defeated. Two can be attacked and they can conquer. Community is so important. You know, one of the things I tell our men in men's, uh, in men's ministry, as I say, it's so important you get a core group. It's so important you have a core group. A group even beyond maybe your community group. It's a group that you can get together with and you can share things with, but also that you can go through things with. I've got a core group. I've got three guys that I meet with. And uh, I got emotional in the first service thinking about this. I don't know why. <laughs> maybe it's because of the lack of sleep. Um, <laughs> but I got three other guys that I meet with. And I love being able to meet with them. We meet once a week. We text throughout the week. And you know what's great about having a group of community around you? Is that when you're going through something, very rarely are all four of you or all three of you going through the same thing at the same time. We had a, a guy that's in our group that was going through some stuff and we were able to go over to his house and pray over him and his family. And one of the cool things that took place is one of the guys in our group begins to open up his Bible and he begins to talk about a, a desert season that he and his family went through and just begin to minister to this guy, begin to minister to him and his family. And man, you, you begin to see how God uses the pain that we've experienced and we've gone through to help others who are experiencing it. I wouldn't trade that group for anything. And my encouragement to you today is find community. Find community. Find community to help walk you through that. And the last thing that Jesus answered him in saying was the thief was looking only for a kingdom. I love this though, Jesus promised paradise. You know, another way of saying it is Jesus promised salvation. What's fascinating about it is I was, uh, as I was studying this out, the Lord kind of arrested my spirit because I think all of us know people that we love and that we're close to that are far from the Lord. And uh, I certainly have people in my family and friends. <clears throat> and oftentimes, I think if we're not careful, we can get ourselves into a situation where we can make the statement or we can look at the individual and say, they're too far gone. <laughs> like, you know, they're, they've really put themselves in a hole. And as I was reading this, what I was reminded of is this thief moments before Hours before, he asks Jesus, remember me as you enter into your kingdom. 
He's one of the ones joining in with the ridicule of Jesus. And this, guys, listen, this is the day this guy died. And he gets a revelation of who Jesus is. And in that moment, Jesus isn't hanging there going, nope, you're getting what you're deserved. Jesus says immediately, grace and mercy, you will be with me today. Don't lose hope. <laughs> don't. Don't, don't lose hope that, that our continued prayers, our continued walking out the Christian life, who knows what might happen. You might be with that loved one as they're saying their final words, as they're offering up their final breaths and the spirit of God could move in and just have a radical life-changing moment. And guess what? He's in the same heaven we're gonna go to. He's in the same heaven we're gonna go to. And when you think about this, when we're going through stuff, I love what Jesus offered here. He offered salvation, but it also says this, that he offered paradise. The word for paradise that's the closest in our English language is the word resort. How cool is that? It's a resting place. It's a place that Jesus has for us. You know, the world we live in today, let me just tell you, this isn't God's best for our life. <laughs> like, this, this is not God's best. And when we're going through stuff, rather than sit here and focus on, man, sometimes I just wish things were all, if they would just all go back to normal. You know what, things may never go back to normal. And guess what, they probably won't. But guess what he offers us? He offers us paradise. We're just passing through. <laughs> what, what's it say in John 14, verse one and two? You know, it says in the word that, that in, in this life you will face trouble. But fear not, for I have overcome the world. And then what does Jesus say here in John 14? He says, let not your heart be troubled. Even though you're facing trouble, don't let your heart be troubled. It says, for you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He's preparing a place for us. This world that we live in, all the trouble, all the stuff that we face, guess what? As a believer, Pastor Josh has said this before, this is the closest to hell we will ever experience. You can rest assured on that. But I'll also say this, if you're not a believer, this is the closest to heaven you'll ever experience. And so it's the call, of all, it's the call in our life, it's the call of believers to take the pain that we, we go through, to take the circumstances that life throws at us and not throw in the cards not throw in the towel, but to sit here, rest assured on the hope and the promise of Jesus and to be able to help others who are walking through that same pain so that we can lead others to the same thing that Jesus offered the thief that day, which is salvation. If you would, bow your heads this morning. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.